Hi, I'm Lauren Gilger, and this is the Friday Newscap Podcast. Each Friday, we review the biggest stories of the week with experts, reporters, and commentators to put the news in perspective. Here is this week's episode. Bottom line is that Secretary Fontes and the uh, other members of, uh, of the executive branch are not legislators, and, and therefore they cannot and should not insert their, their preferred policies um, into the, the EPM. And if these guys want to stand there and defend this as like essential to school choice, they can do that. But we're not going to not make the case because um, this is unsustainable, it's unaccountable, and taxpayers deserve better and our students deserve better. It reinforces the communication to voters that this is the way that where the governor stands on this issue. And so if you disagree, you should not vote for the governor. In the Tucson sector, we saw record-breaking numbers in December. The trend is in the wrong direction. This administration has no answers and no will to tackle this issue. This morning, I am joined by former Democratic lawmaker, lawmaker Reginald Bolding and Republican consultant with First Strategic, Marcus Delartino. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Okay, so it's the beginning of a new year. It is about to be the beginning of a new legislative session, and things are gearing up down at the Capitol. It promises to be an interesting one. We've once again got a Democratic governor and a Republican-led legislature with a very slim majority. But this time around, there are a few things that are very different, right? We've got a pretty substantial budget deficit looking at us instead of a pretty big budget surplus. And, of course, it's an election year. So tell me, I'm going to start with you here, Marcus. What are you looking forward to most this session? Uh, Signy die. (laughs) That would be meaning, uh, for those of you who don't know, it being over would be the the translation. Last session was the longest ever. What do you think this time? You know, it's an easy bet that it's going to be shorter because you can't go longer than June 30th. (laughs) So um, I I originally was very optimistic that the budget uh, deficit would come down and we'd be close to somewhere at zero. And that would force an early session, meaning there's less Mm -hmm. to fight about. If you've got no money to spend or no money to cut, uh, we'd be out in close to 120 days. Um, Now, looking at these uh, budget projections, I'm a little less optimistic, and I think we're going to be there for a while. All right. So, Reginald, I want to ask about this because I've heard this from some other lawmakers, former lawmakers recently, that when there's a deficit, it might be a little easier to have bipartisan kind of, you know, negotiating because there's, you know, you're fighting over what to cut as opposed to everybody getting a bunch of money. Is that true, you think? Well, that's conventional wisdom. Right. But then you throw in a couple of ingredients of uh, an election year and then you throw in a uh, a split, you know, divided government. And then you just throw in a bunch of personalities <laughs> and then you find yourself in a position where it doesn't matter what the outcome, uh, what, what the dynamics are. It's going to still be a, a legislative session that's going to definitely still be a little bit heated. Yeah, heated. The election year, I'm sure, contributes to that, Marcus. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know. Reggie and I were just talking before the show that, you know, probably the guy who wants to signy die the most in Arizona and the fastest is probably Joe Biden, Uh you know, because he's going to be spending a lot of time here. He probably wants Katie Hobbs next to him as he's out campaigning. Um, And certainly these legislators want to get out because there's probably four or five districts, depending, that are very competitive. They want to get out and start campaigning as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. What about issues on the GOP slate this time around? We've heard a lot about housing, a lot about education. What are you looking at, Marcus? 
I'm looking at, and you covered this story earlier this week, and I think it's uh, sort of a sleeping giant, mm-hmm. but all the county recorders throughout the state are sort of ringing the alarm bell, if you will. Um, and that is the state legislature changed the recount laws uh, last year. And uh, part of that process means more time to count votes. The, at the bottom line, at the end of the day, the counties need 19 days, more days in the calendar to make sure that our overseas military members get their ballots and those ballots are counted, Right. number one. Number two is, and this is really important, to make sure that our electors actually get seated and those votes count in Congress when we vote for the president of the United States. Right, so there's like a time crunch on both fronts. There yeah. is a massive time crunch. And frankly, for Republicans, look, let's be honest, those overseas military members are probably 70 percent, if not 75 percent Republican. Hmm. You probably want to make sure those votes are counted because these races are getting tighter and tighter in Arizona. I mean, the last you know, Biden was 10,000 votes. Do the math here, folks. You want to make sure that gets done. So um, that's a quiet issue that I think is going to start bubbling up here rather quickly. Um, number two is obviously we're going to have the ESA discussion. I mean, the governor's made that pretty clear. Uh, water will continue to be a major issue. I think we're going to see. We've already seen an influx of massive amount of water bills um, mm-hmm. already, and, and there's more to come. Um, and then last is, of, co- of course, the budget. Yeah, yeah. What about on the Democratic front, Reginald, what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, you'll see uh, similar uh, tones there, you know, particularly, you know, when we talk about housing, that's going to be a, a top mm-hmm. issue. Um, you know, that has been sort of an ongoing thing. Um, you know, water, you'll see some of the social services from a defensive posture, making sure that, you know, you're protecting, you know, the gains that you saw uh, with regards to the investments that were made last year. Um, but this will be a, a legislature in which, you know, Democratic lawmakers, uh, they're, they're going to have an uphill battle to try to get policy passed. I think mm-hmm. that there is a hyper focus on these uh, swing districts that, you know, we know is going to make a, a, a incredible shape and in who what the outcome is going to be next year. And, yeah. and you know, uh, the Republican majority is dialed in and they don't want to lose a uh, state government. So how much, Reginald, is this about November for the Democrats for, you know, winning a, more, a majority next time around, which is really what they're looking at? I mean, can they sort of strike a tone. I, I think that the, the, the word this week was they want to be the adults in the room. You know, I, I really think that the Republican majority has misread the public year after year. I, I think when you see this is the last, I, I want to say it's been six or eight years you've had a, a 29-31, you know, uh, legislature. Um, and every single cycle you're seeing more incremental gains from Democrats, whether it's at the state level, whether you're closing or narrowing the margins in the House or the Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's going to be a similar posture of Democrats, you could put your bills up, but they have no way of actually ever getting on the board and getting votes. I think you're going to see the exact same thing. So I think Democrats are going to try to paint a world of what it would be like if we were in the majority. Um, but at the end of the day, I think all those bills are DOA. Yeah. What do you make of that strategy, Marcus? I, You know, I've seen Democrats get bills through. So I, I'm not as pessimistic, I think, probably as, as Reggie is. And, and those Democrats that do it are really hardworking, frankly, and um, and have good relationships uh, across the aisle. So I think there is some possibility for some movement there. Where do the two agendas from the Democratic side and the Republican side sort of cross? Like, are there moments, are there places where you each think there might be some bipartisan compromise? I mean, there's going to have to be on a budget, probably. Well, well, one of the things that I think that this is 
probably the most fascinating thing that I'm seeing at the legislature with regards to water. You know, you mm-hmm. had the Water Policy Council, you know, this and, and the recommendations that were sent there. And this is not just Governor Hobbs saying, right. these are all of my recommendations. These are some of the best water mines in the state coming together and putting out reasonable policies. And when you talk about, you know, rural groundwater pumping, you know, there's very conservative members who are, you know, asking for um, some structure there. And, you know, the Democratic caucus, they're, they're there. But, I, you know, there are also some very powerful forces who are who lead uh, committee chairmanships uh, who, who don't want those policies enacted. But water is an area that I really think you could have some bipartisanship. Yeah, I was going to – he stole the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say the same thing. And, I, you know, for an example, I think we can all agree or at least Reggie and I, I know can agree that, you know, probably having a foreign country have the ability to, to mm-hmm. pump our groundwater um, and make profit from it is probably a bad idea especially because mm-hmm. it's a very rich country that's doing it. Um, so it's moments like that where I think we're going to find an agreement on, uh, especially on water. Okay. Let's talk uh, about an issue where I don't think the two sides probably agree, which is the school voucher program, empowerment scholarship accounts, ESAs. Uh, so Governor Hobbs put out her proposal this week about, you know, changes she'd like to make, ways to rein it in, accountability measures, things like that. That was met very quickly from the Republican side with, you know, it's dead on arrival. This is not, not going to happen. What's the public conversation look like around this? So I wonder why Democrats are making this a strategy in terms of making this clearly a campaign issue. Well, I mean, one of the things that that is important to note is that you let's go back to the 2024 election. There are very tight races that will really decide the outcome of the legislature. Uh, in in those districts, there are portions and populations of folks who who do support ESAs. Mm-hmm. There are also folks in, in in those districts who don't support ESAs. So I think that when you talk about building accountability around you know ESAs, and which is something that you have to do, especially when you think about like a, a budget deficit, you know there are members of the Democratic Caucus who recognize that it it is popular in in some districts. Right. Um. So so they have to be very careful in in the posturing. But the reality is, is the program as it's currently set is is un is unsustainable, and you're going to have to start making very hard choices um, down the line. I mean, when you look at every single year after the Ducey tax cuts, the budget projections were severely, you know, under the mark that they were supposed to hit. Coincidentally, mm-hmm. that's the same time we saw ESAs begin to skyrocket and spike. Marcus, do you think that the governor in putting out a plan like this and sort of changing her tune from last session when she you know, said, I want to get rid of the program, which wasn't going to happen then either with Republicans, do you think she's sort of putting the onus on on the, the GOP leadership to sort of defend this and say, you know, this is how the program should work? Yeah, I absolutely think that's her messaging uh, strategy. And I think she sort of made that kind of clear in her in her press statements. But, um, you know, and the GOP is doing exactly what she knew was going to happen. What we all knew was going to happen was to say, hell no, uh, we won't go. So, um, you know, she's going to make it a campaign issue. Uh, the legislature's going to make it a campaign issue. And it's going to be, uh, you know, not to dampen everybody's dream here, but remember, there's a presidential election going right. on. Your the messaging coming out of the legislature will pale in comparison to the thunderstorm that's coming in from uh, the presidential campaigns and certainly the U.S. Senate campaign. Yeah, so these issues will be minimal, you think, in the big picture? I think at the end of the day, we're going to, you know, it's certainly for the GOP, we're going to be talking about immigration. Um, and for the Democrat Party, I'm certainly they're going to be talking about pro-choice, pro-life. Yeah. I want to talk about 
Secretary of State Adrian Fontes and the election procedures manual that he released just recently, just right before the deadline, uh, right before the December 31st deadline, so also a holiday. It was just about immediately met with threats of a lawsuit from Republican leadership. They say Fontes is attempting to rewrite election law here. A lot of this, it seems, has to do with delaying implementation of a law that cleans up the early voting list, which was contentious, and then demonstrations and protests, that kind of thing, around voting sites. Marcus, are these fair criticisms? Yeah. Um, you know, I would argue they were. And I, I would argue that um, the Secretary of State sort of has a track record here. If you, you recall, when he was county recorder, the Board of Supervisors had some disagreements with him. Uh, over some changes that he made that they didn't think that he had the authority to do. And it centered about where these voting centers were located. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously there's some strategic advantages in putting them in Democrat districts versus Republican districts. And so that sort of – so that occurred years ago. So I I was of no surprise whatsoever that there was going to be a lawsuit. And I don't think Reggie was uh, surprised (laughs) (laughs) that there was going to be a lawsuit filed over the election procedures manual. What's your take on this, Reginald? Yeah, there's nothing that would have been put in that uh, manual that wouldn't you wouldn't have saw the, the the other side to it. So, I mean, you know, the reality is, is elections have been a hot button topic here in Arizona for the last several cycles. And I, I, I don't remember the last time we've seen an elections procedure manual in which you had the legislature and everyone, you know, throw their hands up and say everything's all good, hmm. um, except when there was a Republican um, uh, who was the secretary of state. So, I mean, there's been a few cycles. And even then, there's, you know, some pushback. So, I mean, we know uh, that there is going to be a lawsuit. I, I'm at, well, we'll see if there's going to be a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. I, the, the cause are there. Um, Fontes uh, is, is, is axing uh, for, you know, uh, if there's going to be a lawsuit, go ahead, do it, let's mm-hmm. go, and, and we'll see what happens. How does that play out in terms of the timeline of an election coming up here pretty quick? Yeah, I mean, it, it, going back to the, the sort of the story we just talked about earlier yeah. in the show, which is, you know, counties are asking for more time right now. They need 19 days to meet these federal standards. Um, and if they don't get it, we're sort of going to be on the front page of every newspaper in the country real quick, mm-hmm. which actually probably the world on this one, um, which I don't – I didn't thoroughly enjoy the last, <laughs> the last cycle we went through that. So um, I'm not looking forward to it. But I think that as part of that, I think what Secretary Stefantos and the legislature should be looking at is even if we're going to have this fight, how do we come up with this, these 19 days to get these elections put on track? Yeah, the more important issue there. And also I just point out – you know, it's it is part of Arizona is becoming more competitive. These races are coming down to less and less votes, um, and so that's why we're going to have fights like this over the election procedures manual. Right. I mean, and and looking toward twenty twenty four, looking toward when we're in twenty twenty four now. So so November, I should say. Uh, I mean, every bit of this election is going to be picked apart. Like there are, I I was told this week, you know, war rooms on both sides already set up. Like it's going to be paling in comparison to what we saw last time around. How do you think this kind of thing plays into that larger context, Reginald? Well, I mean, one of the things that we do know is that we, we've seen this before, right? So we've saw, you know, in, in 2022, then you saw 2020 elections. I think in, during the 2020 election, we we, you know, there was a little bit of uh, skepticism of how that would play out with it being a COVID year and things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there was definitely an amplified uh, heightened on, you know, the election and what would happen. But here, I, I think that, you know, the, the U.S. Senate race um, will will really be uh, a, a, a ma- have a major 
uh, implications on how things are playing out. I mean, mm. if you look at the the board across the country, um, Arizona, when it comes to the U.S. Senate, is going to be extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, outside of that, it's going to be a competitive race, too. You know, whether it's a two-way race, a three-way race, it's going to be a competitive race, and that is going to have implications um, uh, throughout the state. How many lawsuits do you think we're going to see, Marcus? Oh, I don't even think we can count that high. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be it's going to be epic. Um, and that, you know, what's going on is those war rooms that, that we just discussed are full, chalk block full of lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're looking for any single possible item they can file a lawsuit on. So it's going to be the courtrooms are going to be packed this cycle. Yeah. OK, let's move on to another big story in the political world this week, which is, of course, immigration. The Border Patrol officially reopened the Lukeville port of entry yesterday. The closure of this was a big deal for a couple of reasons. The Border Patrol had to close it because they were so overwhelmed, essentially, with the number of migrants arriving at the southern border, border border-wide. It's also the point of entry that leads to Rocky Point, Arizona's beach. There's a lot of commerce and economic and trade issues at hand here. Let me start with you here, Reginald. Like Democrats, Republicans, everybody seemed to agree this was a really bad thing. But is the damage kind of done? Like it's been closed for a month. Is the political damage done, even though they're reopening it now? Yes. Yes. The political damage is done. I mean, it, it just it was it was a total missed call. Um, and, and I think that, you know, you take a step back and you look at it and you say, if you're going to if you're going to make the closure, you don't do it at that point of time. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, when you have so much, you know, commerce a- action that's happening. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, the, the the border, I mean, I do think that, you know, uh, Governor Hobbs, she has been much more hawkish on the border. I mean, you know, even when you talk about, you know, Lukeville and things that were happening, she wanted to be a little bit more aggressive than the legislature actually would let her. Um, there was some, you know, potential, you know, funding that she wanted to uh, move around and it would have needed a JOBC approval that Republicans in the legislature actually said, you know, we're actually not going to allow you to uh, to, to do this, Governor. Um, you know, the border is an issue in which Republicans believe Democrats are vulnerable, particularly mm-hmm. at the top of the ticket. And I, I do believe that, you know, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear, you know, more about the border and the governor's state of the state, you know, as she's as she's making her making her case. Yeah. Yeah. What do you what's your take on this, Marcus, in terms of the just the fact that immigration once again, which it hasn't been for a couple of cycles, is now going to be maybe the biggest or one of the biggest issues heading into this election? Oh, it will be. Uh, there's no Republicans are going to make sure you know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's a it's been an epic train wreck for and even my Democratic friends will privately tell me I cannot believe how this White House has <laughs> underestimated this problem. Um, and it's been going on for a long time. I mean, if, if, if you wanted to message this, you would say, OK, we appointed a border czar who never went to the border. Biden's come to Arizona. How many times never been to the border? Um, we closed the Lukeville port. Um, which was it turned out exactly what we said. The other routes that were open, at least one of them is completely cartel controlled and an American citizen was shot at mm-hmm. um, and almost died down there. So it's just it, it, it's an epic train wreck. And they seem they seem to be messaging that they don't care is is the bigger concern here. And if I were I know that um, at least Mark Kelly and Kirsten Sinema are privately telling the White House, you better do something or you're going to lose Arizona. And I would argue I think it's too late. I think I think that Joe Biden might have just lost Arizona based on the border. What do you think, Reginald? Yeah, I, I think I think that's a little little bit uh, an aggressive opinion there. I, you know, with, with that being said, you know, I, the border is definitely an issue. And when you look at, you know, you, you survey the population, you know, it, it's there, but it's not the number one issue for Republicans. Absolutely. There's mm-hmm. a lot of other things that I think you could take a step back and look at. Uh, and I imagine also when you, you 
think about here state politics, I imagine that the governor in her state of the state, she'll probably talk a lot about the economy, companies coming in. And, you know, here in Arizona, you are seeing, you know, the, the economy is doing, doing well. I think that's more of an issue uh, than the border. And when we talk about the border, I think, you know, tying that into, you know, safety, security, that's all important. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I do think that at a federal level, you have to have all parties, Republicans and Democrats, who are really willing to put forth comprehensive immigration reform. We've been talking about this for years. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think this is an opportunity where some of these congressional races, I think they'll be talking a lot about, you know, the border and, and what their potential plans are and pointing fingers at both sides of the aisle. Do you think there's a potential that the the Senate I mean, and Kirsten Sinema being central to these negotiations will do something about this in terms of some kind of immigration reform before the election and change the conversation? I There's... There's a chance, but I don't know if they can change the conversation. I mean, I I hearken back to this phone call that that the governor had with Secretary Mayorkas, where she said, "Look, we're <laughs> we got a problem down here, mm-hmm. and we're gonna. Uh, I need some resources, and I want to know if I'm going to get reimbursed for all the money that we spent." And she heard crickets on the other end of the phone. You know, Secretary Mayorkas did not give a timeline for being reimbursed, uh, gave no action plan going forward, and this is a Democratic secretary. Uh, of Homeland Security to a Democrat governor, mm-hmm. um, which goes back to my point is like I'm not too sure they care or they just don't know how to message that they care. Interesting. OK, before I let you go, just a couple of minutes left. And I, I want to ask about this uniquely political thing that's happening in Arizona this week, sort of in the political world. It's lovingly dubbed Hell Week. <laughs> Roughly, it's like the week before the session, before lawmakers are no longer allowed to accept donations. So there are it sounds like a, a ridiculous number of fundraisers. Marcus, uh, how many how many have you been to? How many checks you've been writing this week? <laughs> I will tell you, in all honesty, I've been to one. Oh no! <laughs> but, you know, I you get a little bit older and a little bit wiser, and there's other <laughs> ways to sort of take care of that. But uh, you know, for the legislature, they can't accept contributions um, from registered lobbyists. Uh, during session. And so uh, and as most people in Arizona do, as soon as session ends, which is getting close to summer, they probably split town. So mm-hmm. it's their one opportunity sort of before session starts to to be able to raise funds for their campaigns. Is it more fun from the lawmakers perspective there, Reginald? <laughs> Absolutely not. I can tell you, like, you know, these lawmakers, they're making a phone call, setting up the, the fundraisers. It is not uh, something that they enjoy doing, but it's also something that they know that they need to, they need to do, right? They, they need to be it. able to get their message out. All right. There it is. That's it for today's Friday Newscap. That is former Arizona lawmaker Reginald Bolding and Marcus Delartino with First Strategic. Thanks to you both for being here. Happy Friday. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Friday Newscap from KJZZ's The Show. It's an original podcast recapping the biggest stories of the week with experts, commentators, and reporters. You can get the full show podcast at podcast.kjzz.org. I'm Lauren Gilger. Thanks for listening.